The Set the Pace podcast is brought to you by New Balance, the official apparel and footwear of New York Roadrunners and the TCS New York City Marathon. And you know, one of my favorite things about marathoners is that we're not afraid to show off the fact that we run marathons. And if you haven't already, you should head to newbalance.com to check out this year's official TCS New York City Marathon collection. And for all you New Yorkers out there, you can come check out the collection in person or even take a pair of New Balance shoes for a test run at the New York Roadrunners Run Center located at 57th Street between 8th and 9th Avenues. We got tons of new colors and fits and everything from the official jacket to my new go-to daily trainer, the Fresh Foam 1080 version 13. I've been wearing these things around, not just in the gym, but just around the city, and I get tons of compliments on them. They're good looking, they're super comfortable and lightweight, and that's exactly what I'm looking for. And my favorite part is that they feature the Marathon logo and the color. So thank you to New Balance for letting my New Balance gear do the talking for me. We should also, by the way, let you know the full line will be available race week at the TCS New York City Marathon Expo presented by New Balance. Thank you, New York. Today, we're reminded of the power of community and the power of coming together. Athletes, on your mark. The first woman to finish for the second straight year here in the New York City Marathon is Mickey Gorman, a smiling Mickey Gorman, and why not? 2.29.30, the time for Gritovites. Look at the emotion of Shalane Flanagan as she comes to the line. Pointing to his chest, pointing to the USA. He so proudly wears across his chest. A great day for Mev Kapleski. Hello and welcome to another episode of Set the Pace, presented by New Balance, the official podcast of New York Roadrunners. I'm Rob Simulcare, the CEO of New York Roadrunners, joined as always by 2009 New York City Marathon champion Meb Kofleski. And Meb, this is it. It is here. It is Marathon Week in New York City. And man, the excitement is in the air. The signs are up all over this city. You can feel it. People are talking about the marathon. It's here, Meb. This is, let's face it, the best week of the year in New York City. Absolutely, Rob. This is the best week of the New York to be there in person now. Race week is exciting. All the jitters are in. All Everybody's coming from all walks of life. It's exciting to just see the flags at the finish line walking, just the camaraderie of runners from all walks of life. So it gives you like the shift and the excitement to be there. And some people come early, some people come on as Friday, Saturdays. Uh, it's exciting. It's just wonderful to be able to just see where your fruit will go after so many training. Well, we are so happy to welcome everyone to New York City. If you are listening to this podcast and you just landed from another city or another country or whether it's your first New York City marathon or your 31st, we're just so happy to have you here in our great city uh, to experience the TCS New York City Marathon, one of the great, great events of the running calendar every single year. And we've got a great episode for you today. We're excited to sit down with an actress named Claire Holt, who if you have teenagers or you are a teenager, you probably know Claire from her incredible role in The Vampire Diaries. Meb and I were thrilled to get to talk to her because it made us both seem a lot cooler to our, our kids. So we're very excited to talk to her. She had an amazing experience running the TCS New York City Marathon as a charity runner. And uh, we just love 
love the conversation with her. So that's coming up a little bit later in today's episode. But Meb, thinking about Marathon Week this week, of course, you've had so many of your great memories as a runner and your great uh, triumphs as, as a runner here in New York. We know about Marathon Day. We've talked a lot about the race itself. What about everything else around Marathon Week, Meb? What are some parts of the week that you love leading up to the actual race? To be in the Big Apple is a big deal. And for me to be part of that journey is incredible. You know, there are so many events going on through Marathon Week. Uh, the Night of Champions is an awesome event where you can see the legacy of the past runners getting attacked to the Hall of Fame and things like that. Or just who are the defenders, defending champions or the potential upset that's going to come. Everybody, the athletes are there, but also the New York Runners does a great job with Team Four Kids fundraising for young kids to give a free kids program. And I've been part of that ambassadorship for so many years to be able to do a run with them you know, early on and do the sprint, see the kids inactive at the finish line. It's amazing. And also, the Big Apple. I mean, New York is full of things and I love going to Times Square when I can or dine out to eat something and to be there, there's something or some people go to play. I haven't done that so many times, but it is something to be excited about and great place to be. Well, I recommend that for those coming in for the marathon, whether they're in town or coming from out of town, get to the expo, you know, when you can, obviously you've got a time slot that's been assigned to you to show up, but, you know, spend time there when you get there and really ask questions, learn about everything that's going on. You know, there's so much happening at the expo. Of course, we've got the the coaching advice on one stage where we're giving you the course preview. Of course, we're going to have a stage at expo as well called the citizen stage with lots of great panel conversations. So hang out, enjoy the expo and enjoy the city. Enjoy everything that Marathon Week and Weekend has to offer because it's just an incredible time in New York. And speaking of stuff that's going on, I got a little surprise to announce at the end of the episode, a little tease, uh, maybe a little bonus episode of Set the Pace we're going to be able to share with you. So stay tuned to the end of the podcast. We'll give you more information about that. But first, we are thrilled to get to our conversation with the great actress, Claire Holt. Our guest today on Set the Pace needs no introduction, at least for uh, our teenage daughters uh, who are huge fans of Claire Holt. Claire, if you don't know her work, is uh, an incredible actor, um, Australian from origin, uh, known for roles in H2O, Just Dad Water, The Vampire Diaries, and spinoffs of that. But... To us here at New York Roadrunner, she's known for her role in the 2022 TCS New York City Marathon, which she ran on behalf of Boston Children's Hospital, did a great job raising money and did a great job running the race, finishing it just over four hours. Claire Holt, great to have you. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining Meb and I. And uh, I always start with the same question since we're here to talk about running and why people do it. Why did you do it? Why did you sign up to run the 2022 TCS New York City Marathon? So I'd always had this dream to run a marathon. My dad has done Iron uh, Man races for a long, long time. And I've been around it my whole life, at, but I never thought I could do it. And then I was sort of sitting back one day debating, do I enter? Do I not enter? And then I realized, okay, if I'm going to do this, part of it's for me, but I have to have the motivation of doing it for someone else because I'm a mom of two young kids and it's very easy to just go, oh, maybe not this year, maybe next year. So, um, I have a very, very dear friend uh, who 
their child, their son um, was a patient at Boston Children's Hospital and they saved his life. And so I decided that if I were going to run this race, I was going to do it for all the kids at Boston Children's Hospital. And it definitely got me across the finish line, I think. Thinking about those kids and and the money that everyone had donated and the support I'd received um, last year, I've heard was a, a harder year. So, uh, yes, the race. so yes, you I got a little lucky. Found- yes, <laughs> or a little unlucky, I should say. That was a tough, tough year yeah. to run. Your first and, and only one so far. Yes, it was very hot. So there were some moments where I was really struggling, and I think um, uh, thinking of Romy, who is my my friend. And uh, all the other patients there, that got me across the finish line for sure. We're so proud that you chose the TCS New York City Marathon as in 2022. But you come back from a background of swimming and other athletic abilities. Uh, how was that like, in ter- you know, I know you run recreationally, the challenge of 26.2, but can you tell us your early background of running or other sports? So I've always loved to run. I kind of focus more on swimming in my uh, earlier life. Um, I did a water polo growing up and in high school. And then as I got older, you know, time-wise, it was always just easier for me to lace up my sneakers and go for a run. So, and I find it um, really meditative to just go and process my thoughts and be on my own. And so I really loved it, um, but I'd never sort of imagined running a distance like that you know i would go out for a 10k run or um you know three or four miles but i never sort of thought that i could do something that difficult um and then i realized like pretty much anyone can do it if you have the right training program and and the right you're in the right mental headspace which for me was i think the biggest part of the race for sure it was just like a mental roller coaster (laughs) for me so I, I've always been a runner and I really, really enjoyed it, but I've never sort of committed to being a racer. Did you ever study or something? You know, I know sometimes it's a peace of mind. You want to be solitude, but how did you use that time when you were running four miles, six miles? Did you use study scripts or how was that? So for me, it was always like, I, I love to run with music. And so I would always just put the music in my ears and I would go and it would get me out of my head. Um, you know, when I was working or when I was a new mom, especially, it was amazing for me as a new mother to go and just have that time to myself. Um, and then as the distances crept up in the marathon training, it became more of processing all kinds of things and, you know, parts of it I would do with music and other parts without. And, you know, I would run four miles on my own and then four with someone else and then another four on my own. So uh, it became I had to find things to occupy my mind <laughs> for a little longer during the training. Uh, but b- before this sort of marathon endeavor, I'd always just put the music in and gone and, and zoned out. Music is powerful. I like and relate to that because yeah. <laughs> I love to train with people, but, you know, put in the miles, countless of miles, music just gets you there. And especially you hear your fa- your fond memory or great beat. You just want to rewind, rewind and get in that groove of running. It takes you somewhere, doesn't it? Absolutely. The uh, the time thing, Claire, is the thing that I I always wonder how busy people. I mean, you are you are a, a working actor. I don't know what you were involved in shooting during the time you were training. If there was much going on, but then you got two young kids, and I I read somewhere that one of them had a, a, a sleeping regression yeah, while you were training, which time. we all all parents know about <laughs> the dreaded sleeping regression. How how did you find the time for this? 
you know, I wasn't doing any filming at that time. So I had other work commitments, but it wasn't that, you know, as if I was, I had to be on set at 5am. So it was a good time in that sense. But my kids, you know, they wake up at six, seven in the morning and I always wanted to be done with my run before then. So, you know, I would wake up at four o'clock and 4.30 and go and get my miles in and, and, uh, and try to be done by the time they woke up. It didn't always happen, obviously, especially when my son learned to climb out of his crib and was up at all hours of the night. <laughs> you know, sometimes it was a little later, but I really just, you know, made a commitment to myself. And my dad always taught me this growing up, you know, the second your alarm goes off, feet on the ground, just get up, don't snooze, do, go and do it. And so I just really, you know, the alarm went off. I didn't give myself a choice. I put my sneakers on and I went and, and that was how I got the miles in. Have you ever, you know, consider even running with people or do you like to be solitude and that's what you would like to do? So I did a few runs uh, with people. My sister is a runner. Um, so she would come and join me for a little part of some of my runs. Um, but mostly I ran by myself and, and I will say, Thinking back now, at the time I was like, oh gosh, I wish I had someone to run with. I wish I had someone to entertain me. And now I really, you know, I'm, I'm almost six months pregnant at the moment. So I'm not running as much. And I'm thinking back to when I was running all those miles. And, and it was just such a beautiful time to process my life and what was going on for me. And, and I really um, appreciated having that solitude for sure. And did you uh, appreciate? Figuring out running was this beautiful thing early on. You love running. And because usually sometimes people are like, I'm not a runner. I can't go around the block yeah. and they contemplate to do it or not to do it. But it seems like uh -huh. you always have been been advocate for running and enjoyed it. I always loved it. I, I sort of battled with injuries on and off over the years, mainly because I didn't know to prioritize strength training or rehab or the right nutrition. I just would go out and run. And then when I was doing this training program, I um, I really tried to prioritize strength training. I really tried to prioritize, you know, eating enough carbohydrate and taking care of my body and, and stretching enough and ice baths and all of the things you do to keep yourself in good shape. And uh, that made it definitely easier to, to stay healthy throughout the, the training uh, cycle. All right. So what do you remember about race day other than the weather, which, you know, we know was a little challenging that day. And uh, we've certainly spoken to a lot of people who struggled, uh, experienced runners who struggled. But what else do you remember about that day? Did you have a lot of people in the crowd who recognized you or knew you? You know, I'm sure if my if my daughter, Julia, my 14 year old daughter had been there, she would have had a big sign for you for sure. What, what do you remember about that day? You know, I have to tell you, I was so anxious because I felt all of this pressure. I'd raised all of this money and I didn't want to let anyone down. And my resting heart rate was so high in the morning. I was like 80 or 90 or something. I'm like, what is going on? Am I sick? I don't understand. I was the adrenaline just coursing through my veins. And I remember going up the bridge and coming down and my heart rate was so high and I, I had hit the wrong, I'd hit indoor run on my watch instead of outdoor run. So I wasn't calculating my pace right. And, and I just remember feeling so overwhelmed. And then I came down and it was about mile three. And there was someone with a um, sign that said, run like Rebecca is chasing you. And Rebecca is my character from the Vampire Diaries. And it made me so emotional. I'm going to get emotional thinking about it because I really felt 
overwhelmed. And even though I was in this sea of people, I kind of felt alone. And at that moment, I was like, okay, there's someone cheering for you. And, and then I told myself, focus on the crowd. Take your music out. This is the, one of the greatest experiences you'll ever have in your life. Everyone, it's the best part of humanity. Everyone is cheering. Everyone is supporting you. Like, look around and see all these amazing people that have come out to support all of these runners. And so that's when, like, everything kind of shifted from me. And I, for me, and I, I went from being terrified that I was never going to finish it to, to really focusing on the beauty of humanity and everyone around me. And, and that got me through to almost the very end. <laughs> Boston Children's Hospital is ranked among the best children's hospitals in the nation by U.S. News and World Report and is a pediatric teaching affiliate of Harvard Medical School. Home to the world's largest research enterprise based at a pediatric medical center, its discoveries have benefited both children and adults since 1869. Founded as a 20-bed hospital for children, Boston Children's is now a 485-bed comprehensive center for pediatric and adolescent health care. You do a lot of rehearsing for acting, but this is living the moment of the crowd. Yes, been live. completely. How did that, completely. you know, living in New York was able to, to get that support from you? Or how did you feel going through First Avenue or throughout the race? Oh, it was incredible. It really was. I, I feel like I had a few moments in Brooklyn where I was struggling physically and I was feeling the heat and my my pace was a lot slower than any of my training runs and my heart rate was a lot higher than it should have been. And But then when I came into Manhattan around, I think it's 15 or 16, right? Mile 15. Um, my husband was waiting there with some of the uh, the people from Boston Children's Hospital. And I it was like just a shot of joy and adrenaline and all the good feelings in the world. Um, and I saw him and I gave him a kiss and I kept running. And it was just amazing to see like so many people stacked up. Like there must have been like five, ten deep all the way along, just cheering and supporting, and even just all the runners around me and all the. I, I remember looking and seeing uh, blind runners and paraplegics being pushed, and it. I felt so inspired and lucky that I was getting to be a part of it, and so that really helped when I was <laughs> when I was really really struggling. I call that adrenaline alley. That air, that yes. period where you get off the 59th Street Bridge, you're in Manhattan for the first time, and the crowds are huge, and it's amazing. It could be dangerous, as Meb and I have talked yes. about, because some people run a little too fast with all that adrenaline and a long way to go, but you made it through. For sure. I felt really good from 15 to 19. I felt <laughs> like... I'm going to, you know, I, I knew my pace was way off what I'd hoped for. And I knew that I was never going to hit the goal time that I had come into it with. But I was like, oh, maybe I'm just going to really enjoy this. And, and it's going to be amazing to the end. And I'm going to feel this way. And then, of course, you get up to mile 20 and things get a little treacherous. But those four four miles were awesome. Four or five miles. Going to the first time is a boost of energy. They're just kind of say, go for it. And you make mistakes. Yep. I've made those mistakes and patience is a virtue. But for yes. you, what was like to come across over the last 
10K, you know, now the men mental and physical challenge, you know, what was that like for you to be able to just say, okay, I done the training, I done a lot of running, but now you have a little bit of doubt, doubts a little bit. Oh, I went out maybe too early yes. in first Avenue, that was advantage. Yes. What was that like? Yes. So I had done 22 miles in training and I felt really good on that run and I felt like I could have run another eight miles. So in my head, I knew that I was, I'd done sort of covered up to 2022 20, before and I was going to be fine. It was when I got to mile 24 that things went on 23, 24. Oh, that was, I, I had planned this playlist to the mile, right? Where I thought I needed certain songs and certain motivation. And I got to, I, I think at 23, the hill up to Central Park. And I got there and Eminem was playing in my ear till I collapsed. <laughs> and I was like, this is it. This is my song. This is the hard one. Like I've got it. This is the furthest I've ever run. And I think I just pushed it a little too hard mm. going up that hill. Mm. And especially it was such a hot day and my heart rate had been consistently way higher than it should have been throughout the whole race. But I had assumed that maybe my watch was wrong or something, or maybe I just, it, I didn't know. I just tried to ignore it. And so I got there and I saw my watch hit 170, which for me is very, very high to be, you know, running that sort of distance. Mm. And then my, I felt like my eyes sort of go on my knees buckle. And I was like, oh gosh, no, no, no. I've come this far, you know, I can't. I cannot collapse. Oh. And it's just so funny because I was listening to Till I Collapse on, uh, <laughs> on the playlist. And so I stopped and I I started to walk a little bit. I drank my little Gatorade and I was walking and it sort of came down. I was like, okay, I think that I'm not going to pass out. I think I'm going to be okay. I actually called my sister who was kind of my running teammate over the summer and who is an amazing athlete herself. And I was like, I think I'm going to collapse and I have to get to the end. I need you to talk me to the end. She was like, okay, I got this. And she was like David Goggins in my ear, right? She's like, you've trained <laughs> for this. You're made for this. You know, she's Aww. talking me through. And then I, I sort of got to 25-ish as you're coming into Central Park South, I think it is. Yep. Um, and same thing happened. I started to feel weak at the knees. I started to like feel like I was going to collapse. So I stopped again and everyone next to me was like, come on. I had my name on my shirt. Come on, Claire, you can do it. You're so close. I'm like, if I run right now, I'm going to faint. So I stopped. They drank a little more. And then I remember I started crying on the phone because I saw the sign that said like 800 meters to go or something. And I said to my sister, I was like, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm doing it. I'm shuffling. I'm shuffling. And then I just like the tears got heavier and heavier as they got closer and closer. And then crossing the fi finish line was maybe like the one of the greatest feelings I've ever had in my entire life. It was so unbelievable. And I was very, very exhausted, but I was just so, so happy that I had not collapsed <laughs> that close to the finish line. Well, first of all, props to your sister because uh, that, yeah, that is key, a, a big assist there, <laughs> getting you across the finish totally. line. And, you totally. know, okay, so, it, you know, it was not the easiest day to run your first marathon, which leads to, Claire, the obvious question of what do you think about doing it again? Because, you know, like, <laughs> chances are pretty good. That's a good question. So if you'd have asked me that when I crossed the finish line, I would have said, absolutely not. There's no way. I would never do this again. Why does anyone do this? This is insane. That's what Meb also, said the first time he <laughs> crossed the finish line of the New York City Marathon. To himself, he said he would never run yeah. another one. And he went there on to run go. like 11 more and win one. Yeah. 
well, so I don't think I'm ever going to win one, but um, I, I was really disappointed because I had an A time, a B time, a C time. My A time was 3.30, my B time was 3.45, my C time was four hours. I was like, if I just get under four hours, that's fine. I never have to run another marathon. And of course, <laughs> I'm, because of my, my little incident at 24 and 25, I was four hours and three minutes and change. And so after a few days when I calmed down and I, I wasn't, you know, struggling to sit down on the toilet or walk down the stairs, I, I said, okay, maybe I have one, one more in me. And then firstly, I thought, well, I'll just pick a flat course. I'll pick Chicago or London or something. And now I'm like, you know what? There's something so incredible about New York. It's just so difficult to describe the feeling of all of those people there. And I think I think I may run one more. Not this year because I'll be giving birth days later. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think, you know, next year, the year after, in the next few years, Maybe when my kids are sleeping, I'll try and find some time to train and, and I'll do another one. Yes. Good answer. <laughs> awesome. We would, we would love to have you back in New York. You know, I did the same thing after my first marathon. It was cold and mm -hmm. windy and been in New York. You never get to see the sun. So I was just basically froze to death. Oh, no. uh, I ran, you know, Olympic A standard was sub 212. I ran 212, uh -huh. 35 seconds. I'm like... I'm not doing this ever again to shave 26 <laughs> points a mile to take off 35 seconds. I'm like, no way, I'm done. No way. And mm -hmm. my mom was there and, you know, she says, 5K, 10K, okay for you, but no more marathons for you. Really? But when you see the bigger picture as you were struggling and running for the Boston Hospital at mile mm -hmm. 24 or 25, mm -hmm. that your sister talked to you about, doing it for something greater than yourself kind of brings yes. you back to say, Oh, yes, I hated it. I was in pain, but if there's a cause yes. for it, I would love to do it. So would that be for something sure. like you would do or, you know, a month later, but, you know, or after birth now, uh, it's in the, in the card, but, you know, it's a small progress. I have to be able to make a comeback for it. I think so. I definitely have to ask my husband because I, he, I was not friendly, first of all, for those four <laughs> months when I was training. Uh, and secondly, you know, he, he, God bless him, he carried the load when I couldn't, you know, and there was a lot of times I was cranky or hungry or sore or tired and, and he was just like an amazing teammate. So I have to get it approved, <laughs> but I think he will, obviously, because he's awesome. And uh, I, I'd love to sort of do it again and and have that motivation of I'm supporting something, I'm doing this for someone greater, something greater than myself. You know, it's okay to have strong personal motivation, I think, and that's what gets you to the start. But what really got me to the finish was was the drive for other people. Yeah, that's great. And and it's such a huge part of the marathon, you know, the the causes that people run for. So thrilled that for you sure. were able to have that experience. You are, uh, you know, on your pregnancy for your, your third child and congratulations yes. and best of luck. Thank and you. I've, Thank I've read you. your story a, a bit about your history, um, had a miscarriage uh, your, yes. before you, you gave birth to your first child. I did. And mm -hmm. you were very open, public about that, spoke a, a lot about that. Why, why were you so yes. um, open about that experience? So prior to my miscarriage, I'd always... 
it's hard to describe, but I'd always sort of thought of it as nature taking care of itself and it's fine and you'll get another chance to have a child. And then when I went through it myself, it was really traumatic for me and it was far more overwhelming and devastating than I had given it credit for or that I had ever imagined. And when it happened to me, I felt very alone because I hadn't had sort of shared experience with anyone. No one had really talked to me about what had happened to them. And I felt like it was my fault. Is it because I went for a run that morning and I ran too hard? Is it because I used some skin cream or I didn't sleep properly or I didn't take care of myself? And so I went on the internet and I started searching frantically for other women to sort of share the feelings that I was feeling. And I found just so many amazing people who were really vulnerable about what they went through. And it helped me so much. And it, it helped me to realize that it wasn't my fault and that it was far more common than I'd realized and far more devastating than I'd realized. And so I decided in that moment, okay, that these women who I don't know have been there for me and been a support for me in a way that I could never have imagined and I can't really repay them. So I think what I should do is sort of try and pay it forward and share my experience and be open and vulnerable about something that is quite taboo and and shameful at times for women. And so I shared my miscarriage experience and the not only the support, but the love and the response I got from people was so overwhelming. And I think there was something like 40,000 comments on my Instagram post from men and women uh, or every everyone you could possibly imagine. You know, I had one, my wife had one, my sister had one, my friend had one. And it just made me feel so much less alone. And I hope that it made other women feel less alone. So I made that commitment, you know, from that day forward, I was just going to be open and share about what happened to me and, you know, share that you can have a beautiful family after tragic experiences. And, you know, I'm so thankful for my beautiful children now. And and even that experience that I went through as hard as it, hard as it was, it gave me a lot of strength as well. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm sure there are tens of thousands of women or more who are who are very grateful to you for for being open because it's a, it's a hard thing to talk about and uh you know i'm sure it's it's much better if you have someone you can relate to and you know meb and i talk a lot about the marathon and how it's a metaphor for so many parts of life you know yes. the 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 fact that you're going to have these difficulties. You're going to have these challenges. You talked about the challenges you had in your marathon race. You talked about some of the challenges you've had in life. Did that draw, were you able to draw some inspiration or strength to connect these things when you started to get ready and focus on running a marathon? What was that connection for you? Absolutely. Running was one of the things that always saved me through difficult periods of my life, for sure. Anytime I was going through heartbreak or tragedy or some kind of loss, running really helped me to get out of my head and into my body. And so I always like cherished that time that I spent on the pavement or even on the treadmill. And and then when I was training for this race, I, I would have all these little pep talks that I give myself. And one of them was I can do hard things. I've been through hard things and I can do hard things. And so anytime that I was in pain or I wanted to stop, I, I would tell myself like, I've been through so much in my life that has been a struggle and I've come out the other side. This is just another one of those things and it's a struggle and I'll come out the other side. And, and I think those experiences really help you because in the marathon, people had said to me, 
it's going to be a like mental roller coaster. You're going to have moments where you feel like a hero and an Olympian and other moments where you feel like you can't run a step further. And I definitely had that. And through it all, you know, you just have to maintain like a consistent headspace of, okay, I can do this one foot in front of the other. And I think that that obviously is a metaphor for life. I can do this one foot in front of the other. So, it was really interesting how many parallels I found through those four hours and and my life in general. Well, Claire, we're fortunate enough to know that running is beneficial from a young age. But most of the time, whether it's a teenagers or high schoolers, it's looked as a punishment. What Mm -hmm. advice would you give to those people who are reluctant to go out the door? The hardest part is the time you shouldn't get out the door, but the increment that you make, what would your advice be? You know, I saw it as a punishment in, throughout high school as well at times, running, swimming, anything. I said, oh, gosh, I've got to train. I've got to do this. And then I realized it gives you so much mental strength. It's great discipline. It's great for your mind. And then even running in particular, I find, I don't think anything compares to the endorphins of running, the runner's high. I've tried every other exercise. I've done a triathlon. I've done everything I possibly can, but there's nothing quite like that runner's high. And I feel like, you know, the first the first 10 minutes are always the hardest. And then once you get going, it's just such a beautiful experience. And and I think I tried to share that with people when I was sharing my marathon journey. Uh, there are definitely times I wake up and I really don't want to do this. I don't want to get up at 4.30. I want to sleep. I don't want to go and run 17 miles today. But once you get started, the, the sense of accomplishment you feel and And the strength that you get knowing that you can implement that in other areas of your life is a really cool thing. We are so excited to welcome Peloton as a new partner of the TCS New York City Marathon. And did you know you can work out where you want, when you want with the Peloton app? Their membership plans make it easy to start From yoga to Pilates to outdoor running and meditation, world-class instructors will guide you through it all. Find it in the Apple, Android, and Google App Stores, Peloton, the official digital fitness partner of the TCS New York City Marathon. So Meb and I were joking before this interview about how we're these two guys, two kind of middle-aged guys interviewing you (laughs) who is, you are an icon among the, you know, let's call it the teenage girls (laughs) to probably a little bit older. I mean, I I told my daughter, Julia, that I was interviewing you and she, she was like, wait a second, what? You're, you're, you're interviewing Rebecca. She, she, she was like, I think the first time that she actually thought I was maybe even somewhat cool. So I'm thrilled. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about some of the roles you've had and, you know, what, what, what you've enjoyed the most for this, this acting journey that you've had that, that really started in Australia. And now you Uh are, you are clearly a a household name, not just there, but globally. So it's really interesting. The way I got into it, I booked my first job because I was a good swimmer. So I played a mermaid on a TV show called H2O Just Add Water. And I, Before that, I'd kind of been doing a few television commercials here and there to save some pocket money for college. And then this opportunity came up and my agent at the time said, I know you like to swim. Do you want to go and try? And I was like, okay. So I barely scraped through the acting rounds. Like I I could not, I I don't know. I think they were like, let's just get her in the pool and see if like maybe we can teach her how to act. And so then they had the swimming part of the audition and I held my breath for a 50 meter Olympic swimming pool 
And I came up and they were like, okay, you got the job. <laughs> I think they figured they could teach me how to act, but it was probably pretty hard to teach someone to be able to swim in the way that they needed us to for that job. And so um, it was an amazing experience, honestly, because it, it was very physically demanding and, and we swam for many, many hours for months on end. Some days we were in the tank. We did all of it ourselves. So we were in the tank for 10 hours, swimming, holding our breath. And, you know, it was it was intense. Um, but that's where I got the acting bug. And that's where I realized, oh, maybe this is something that I could do maybe a few more years and then I'll go back to Australia. And so I decided to move to America. I had a very rough first year in America where everybody said no to me. I got, I think I did 142 auditions before I ever got uh, my first American acting job. Wow. Yep. It was, it was a lot of no. And then I, I booked, uh, I booked my first job out there and, and was very fortunate to sort of consistently work after that. But yeah, it's one of those things. I, I fell into it because I loved to swim and then it led to this awesome opportunity and an amazing life that I probably would never have been able to find had it not been for all those early mornings in the swimming pool. Uh, like Rob said, Julia has a daughter. I have times three that. <laughs> I have three oh, daughters, Lara, <laughs> Fiore, and Johanna, and they have different shows with pretty, pretty little liars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so when I tell them I was going to be able to speak to you, they were really a value of me of something now. <laughs> no, no silver medal, no New York, no Boston, but uh, what would be your advice to those amazing young ladies that are starting off now in the teens would be in terms of running and acting? So it's all about perseverance in running, in acting, in life. I think I heard no so many times I failed, you know, quote unquote, so many times. And it's, it's a numbers game. You just can't give up. You can't give up when you're running. You can't give up when you're auditioning. You can't give up when you're interviewing, whatever it is, whatever your career path is. I always tell people that. If you're committed to something, there's going to be a way that you can get there. You just have to be willing to have the door shut and face a few or many, like me, times uh, before it's you hear yes. And so, you know, they have, especially when it comes to creativity now and acting, there are so many opportunities to be able to make your own content and, you know, uh, expo have the exposure of auditioning and it's, it's a different world now and it's really opened up so many doors for people and I think that's such an amazing thing. You know, you have this iPhone and you can create. We used to have the old video cameras at home and we'd make our silly little movies and never, so they'd never go anywhere. But now, you know, if people, if you want to act, if you want to screenwrite or direct or you can do it and you have the ability to do it and you can share it with the world and I think that's a really cool thing. I've been following your your Instagram a little bit uh, as we were getting ready to talk to you, and it's it's great. I mean, first of all, you really are you know you share your your journey you know with your pregnancy, and I know oh, you shared you. a lot of your journey through running as well. Was the marathon mm -hmm. a, a way for you to kind of have a different relationship with some of your fans as as for you sure. as they kind of went on that journey with you? And has anybody well, run I was the marathon? Very annoying. <laughs> I was very annoying about it. I could not. I realized when I became a marathon runner, uh, you can't not tell people, you can't not talk about it. It's impossible. I wanted to talk about it all day long. I wanted to tell everyone I knew that I was a runner and everyone I knew about my training tips and these great shoes and this like, oh, this body glide is the best thing. And I'm sure there were a few million people who were like, Claire, 
stop talking about your running. <laughs> but there was also a whole subset of people who were really excited to hear about the journey and, and had maybe always wanted to run a marathon but didn't think it was possible or, you know, you you give yourself all of these excuses. Oh, when my kids are older or when I finish studying or when I have more time or when I'm in better shape. And I think what I learned and, and I hope what I was able to share with other people is you can do it at any time. It's just about making the time and figuring it out. And even if it's you split up your runs and you do some in the morning and do some at night or you don't have to train like an Olympian, like Meb, for example, you know, you can, you can do it on a, a a pretty sort of relatively minimal schedule and still finish. It's funny because Meb, you know, in his book, he talks about that idea of telling other people that you're running because it's like an accountability thing. It's like, oh, wait, now I can't quit now. I, I just told totally. my million something, whatever it is, followers on Instagram. That's That was exactly it for me. I remember the day that I posted and I said I was going to do it. I was like, gosh, I have no out. And at first I thought, honestly, I thought, well, maybe I just won't tell anyone until race day. Maybe I'll just do all the training because what if I get injured? My, I'm prone to injury, I thought. And, you know, what if I can't run it? And then I've told all these people I'm going to do it. And then I was like, no, that's silly. I have to be accountable. I have to show up. I have to show up for these people that I've said, I'm, you know, that have donated their hard-earned dollars. Um, I have to show up for them. And so it was, it was actually really helpful. And then I was very very touched and I still get emotional thinking about the pride I felt from other people when I finished. I got so much love and support and I really felt like people were on the journey with me and they were cheering me on and it was just such a nice feeling to know that I'd set my mind to something and I'd achieved it and I had all these wonderful friends and supporters who were like right there with me. You know, it's all about connectivity and uh, sometimes mm -hmm. we write our goals down and sometimes we put it on the window or on our training log, but yeah. you were brave enough to say, I'm doing a <laughs> marathon for a great cause, um, but you had, you're a goal setter. You had A, B, C in terms of the time and all that stuff. So to be able to have that in front of millions of people just gives you that much more respect when you're doing it because it's not about finishing or about what accomplishment go about the journey that goes through it and how you illustrated that to be able to say, Hey, I'm doing this for not only for myself, but for the Boston children's hospital. So that gets you to the finish line. And what was that moment where you said, Hey, I'm okay to do that to share with somebody else and to walk away on Monday with your medal on. It was almost as if I didn't really give myself the choice in the beginning. I was like, okay, I'm just going to put it out there and not think too much about it because if I do, then I'm going to be insecure when I really like think about what I'm, se I'm setting, this goal that I'm setting. And I'd seen my dad train for years, so I knew how hard it was to go out and do it and do it without injury, especially as someone who's not, you know, trained for that distance my entire life. And I definitely had a couple of like little injuries throughout the training cycle, um, where I thought, oh gosh, is this it? Am I going to be out? Am I going to, you know, am I going to have to tell everyone that I have to postpone it to next year? Am I going to have to admit defeat? And thankfully, I sort of worked my way through them and I was okay. But I also, a big part of it for me also was, you know, it's not just about the finish line. It's about the journey. And, and I think that if I get there on the day and something happens and God forbid I don't finish this race, It'll be okay. You know, I, I'll survive. Everyone will survive. 
the money that people have donated is still going to this amazing cause. It's going to be okay. So I kind of tried to take the pressure off myself a little bit, but then it just made it all that much sweeter when I did finish and I realized, okay, I've done that. I've ticked that box. The money's going there. I finished the race. I did what I said I was going to do. But it really, it's a hard thing to sort of come to terms with knowing that you've committed to something that you're not entirely sure that you can actually do, but you're really going to give it your all. Mm. I really wish that I could run another one this year. I mean, obviously, I'm so thrilled to have another baby and and it's it's definitely been hard for me not doing the mileage that I did. And, you know, I, I still try and run a little and, you know, I, I come back after four miles with a with a very cranky pelvis and think, oh, this time last year I was doing 17 and now I'm shuffling four. But I know, you know, this is like running, right? It's a journey and peaks and troughs and I'll get back there eventually. Maybe not next year, maybe the year after. We'll see. It's going to make you hungrier and it's going to make you appreciate it um, even much better because, you know, when whether it's injury or pregnancy is happening like that, mm -hmm. you do miss that, right? Like say, oh, last year I used to do this. You have that craving for it and just got to be smarter to be able to just come back gradual and, and strong. Right. There's nothing else in my life that I've felt the craving for quite like running. I think it's it does something to me and I, um, I've, I'm addicted now. All right. Well, Claire, you have an open invitation to feed that addiction back in New York <laughs> at the TCS New York City Marathon anytime you I gotta want. I got to get under four hours. I got to. I, I need mean, to come back. You're <laughs> so close. You were so <laughs> close and it was a tough day. So I think oh, we God. all know you can get under four hours. So you just let us know. We will get you right back in there and can't wait to see you back at the starting line on Staten Island. Oh, likewise. Thank you so much. It was great chatting to you guys. All right, it's time now for today's Meb Minute. And Meb, this is the week. This is the weekend of the race. People are thinking about their race day morning now. You wake up in the wee hours and you're thinking about, okay, what am I going to eat now? What am I going to do to get ready to be on that starting line with a chance to perform the way I want to perform? What are your race morning keys to having a successful day? You know, Rob, the hay is in the barn. Now the next 24 hours are crucial and important. Sleep is important, but sometimes you might not get a full night of sleep. I haven't. Sometimes I sleep for an hour and a half and up and thinking. But the most important thing is don't, get, don't panic. Be ready for race day. Have snack or food next to your bed. I usually have a bagel or my homemade hembasha my mom makes or my wife that haven't made it for me put a honey almond butter so if i wake up at two o'clock in the morning or midnight i'll have that because the more food you can have in your stomach early the better it's going to be and hydration is important but when the when the rise and shine happens ready to go you got to visualize yourself getting to the starting line what time you need to wake up what time you need to get the bus or the ferry and those are important to kind of calm keep calm the nerves because you know everybody's doing 50,000 people are doing something different. You know, they might be eating and don't panic because you haven't eaten yet or you already ate. So those are important. And warm-ups. You know, sometimes I have to do my warm-ups an hour before, but I have to time my time when to go to the restroom because you don't want to have unnecessary stops. So I usually do my warm-ups and then go to the restroom and then be able to just, you know, get ready through the strides, do the last-minute stretches and get to the start line early. And obviously during the race, it's time when the cannon sounds off, you're off to from Stein Island all the way to Central Park and just make sure you execute a good plan. Have fun. This is a victory lap of your hard training and 
time to just shine your training, but, you know, go run to win. It doesn't necessarily mean getting first place, but getting the best out of yourself with all the training that you have done and use the crowd with the best advantage you can. All right, Matt. Well, we just want to say to everybody out there, we wish you an amazing race day uh, in the TCS New York City Marathon. We're so proud of you for getting to here, for getting to the start line, and we can't wait to see you on Staten Island at the finish line. Have a great, great race weekend, a great marathon. We will see you at the finish line, and we'll see you on the next episode of Set the Pace, which, by the way, if you're checking out your feed right now, you're going to get a bonus episode. A little later on today, after this episode drops, we're going to have a bonus, a Q&A session that Meb and I are doing at the Expo of the TCS New York City Marathon live on Thursday. Uh, we will record there at 4 o'clock, and then that episode will drop a little bit later on. So you can hear all the specific questions that we get from Meb in a bonus episode that is dropping a little bit later on on Thursday. So we'll see you then. Have a great race. Thanks for listening.